0: When we covered all those broad uh, things, and uh, we just kind of mentioned about him giving us new spiritual life, because I knew that the guy next week was going to flesh that out more for us. So here we are. So John three, and uh, in John three, we find a conversation that takes place between Jesus and a guy named Nicodemus. And uh, certainly John 3:16 is uh, probably the most popular verse. In the Bible, and so this morning we'll get to see a bit of where uh, that lies lands as far as uh, the context around it. So let's pray, and uh, and we'll read John three. Okay, now now we'll pray. All right, Father, we are so thankful for what you've done already this morning. We thank you that your presence is here. And as we come to your word, we just pray that you would help us. We want to understand. We want clarity. Uh, we also want to be transformed by your word. And so we pray, for that your spirit would come, that it would work in our hearts to do uh, immeasurably more than I can say from up here. We pray, for that this whole idea of new spiritual life would happen this morning, that it wouldn't just be something that we talk about. It would be something that we experience here this morning, that you'd cement it in our hearts, uh, that your Holy Spirit gives new life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. John 1. Uh, we'll read 1 to 21. Or, yeah. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have "'eternal life. "'For God did not send His Son into the world "'to condemn the world, "'but in order that the world might be saved through Him. "'Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, "'but whoever does not believe is condemned already, "'because he has not believed in the name "'of the only Son of God. "'And this is the judgment. "'The light has come into the world, "'and the people love the darkness rather than the light, "'because their works were evil. "'For everyone who does wicked things hates the light.' and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So, Jesus kind of introduces us and unpacks this whole idea of being born again. And even if you haven't been in the church, it's probably a phrase that you've heard Uh, even a fair amount, this idea of being born again. We see it often in the media, and the world uses this phrase, born again. Just doing a a Google search this week and clicking on the news uh, feed of just typing in born again, there were a whole number of headlines that included born again. Most of them I knew nothing about. It says, McConnell says Obama born again on trade agenda. Detroit Motor Show, Ford's Born Again GT. And one for Ollie from the Belfast Telegraph. Could Born Again Labor Party help rejuvenate Stormount? I have no idea what most of those things are. (laughs) But you can see that the world often uses the phrase born again. And so if it's a phrase that uh, the world talks about, about business, about people, about ideas... About countries, uh, anything at all, getting a fresh start. Often, athletes or musicians who enjoy a bit of resurgence late in their careers are said that they're born again. And so, when a word gets used so often in the world around us, uh, it can be easy uh, easy for us to be kind of shaped by that. But it's important then, when it's a, a biblical word like we see here, to come back to the Bible and. And get our definition from what the Bible says. So that's what we'll do this morning. Uh, We'll start with just a basic definition of what born again is. And as we go through John 3, we'll kind of build on that. Okay? So born again, as Jesus uses it here in John 3, is a picture that helps us see the work of the Holy Spirit that would often be called regeneration. So last week... And, and multiple times, really, in the last few weeks, uh, myself or someone else has read from Titus 3, and that's where that word comes from. It says that uh, because of God's kindness, he has washed us by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And so born again would be a, 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 a picture, like a word picture for us to, to understand what that is, uh, what regeneration is. And there are other... Uh, Examples that the Bible uses to help us understand uh, what this is that we have new spiritual life. So born again would be one that we see here in John three. Uh, also creation for Second Corinthians five seventeen. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And resurrection. Ephesians two talks about how we were dead in our sin, and God raised us to life. So all those things are. The same thing of God, by the Holy Spirit, giving us new spiritual life. I'm still working on my uh, slides, so they don't really build as I go. So you get like a little trailer. So just stay focused and don't get ahead on the slides, okay? Someday I'll get it down. Maybe there's like a night class I can take. So all three of those... Uh, mean the same thing. They're not different events. They're one event uh, when God regenerates us, when he gives us new spiritual life. We're born again. We're new creations. We're raised from death into life. And so oftentimes when the world uses it, it talks about uh, they use it in place of a fresh start or a resurgence. You know what I mean? And so that's why I say it's not a new start to life. It's a new life to start with. And so that's the big difference between how the world uses born again and how Jesus here is using born again. It's not a new start to life. It's a new life to start with. It's not just some external habits and some New Year's resolutions to kind of reform the outside. Uh, It's God giving you new life on the inside. Okay, It's an internal working of God making you new. It's not just some exterior things to make you better. So our definition of born again is a work of the Holy Spirit in giving us new spiritual life. And so with that in place, uh, let's look, and we'll just go through Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, and uh, we'll see how it grows from there. So Nicodemus, a Pharisee. Uh, comes to Jesus at night. And some say because he was scared of being found out, coming in under the cover of darkness, so his buddies don't know what he's up to. Kind of like when you want to read your Bible at school, but you hide it so that no one else will know that you're reading your Bible. Maybe it's just me. Sorry. <clears throat> maybe, you know, maybe he was timid. Maybe We could give him the benefit of the doubt, and they were both busy men, and that was the only time they were free. Maybe Nicodemus had four kids, and he knew that was the only time he could have an uninterrupted conversation, uh, was to come at night. So he's not necessarily coming, sneaking around, uh, because it doesn't really say that. It just says that he came at night. But from Jesus' words to Nicodemus, the first thing we see about being born again is the absolute necessity of being born again. Jesus says the very first thing, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, instantly with those words from Jesus, doesn't everything turn a little serious, right? Doesn't everything get a little somber with Jesus' words, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Of God. Without regeneration, without new birth, you cannot see God's kingdom. You cannot enter God's kingdom. It's another way of saying, unless you are born again, you cannot have eternal life. For our university students, it's a prerequisite. You can't slide in without it. You have to have it. So just to be as down home, and straight and plain as we can get. If you are not born again, you are not a Christian. That's what Jesus is saying, okay? It's not an add-on to the Christian life. Sometimes people say, I'm a born-again Christian, as if it's something different from just being a Christian, but it's, it's redundant. It's like saying your PIN number, your personal identification number number, right? You're saying the same thing, twice. A born-again Christian is a Christian, okay? Unless someone is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, keep in mind who Jesus is saying this to. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. And you say, well, what does that mean? It means that in, in Nicodemus' time, as far as religion goes, he was the man, okay? probably had most, if not all, of the Old Testament memorized. As far as uh, morality goes, he was squeaky clean. As far as education goes, he was on the top top tier. He was, by all, you know, by all appearances, he was a wise man. He had a good man. He was a good man. He had authority. He had respect. Uh, It says he was a ruler, so he was probably part of the Sanhedrin, which was like sitting on the Supreme Court, okay? So he's a top-tier guy. And even to him, Jesus says, with all that religion, with all that morality, with all that education, Jesus says, it's not enough. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Religion couldn't do it. Morality couldn't do it. Learning and education couldn't do it. Paying Jesus some respect by calling him a rabbi wasn't enough. He had to be born again. The kingdom of God would not be inherited by religion. It wouldn't be inherited by morality. It wouldn't be inherited by education. It would only be inherited by those who were given spiritual life by the Holy Spirit. And so it might be helpful to pause here and just look at why those things aren't enough, and why being born again is absolutely necessary, even for someone like Nicodemus. Why do we need to be born again? When Jesus says you cannot enter the kingdom of God, maybe our first thought is that Jesus is kind of just making up rules to prohibit entry, as if born again, as if the kingdom of God was like Magic Mountain, and born again was the stamp on your hand that kind of got you in, right? Right? But it's not just about prohibition. It's not just about God prohibiting entry into the kingdom of God. When Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of God, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, it's deeper than just prohibition. It speaks of inability. You are unable to enter the kingdom of God. Our condition before being born again is such that we are incapable and unable to enter the kingdom of God. And I just want to take a minute and show you, or at least remind you, what our condition is before God gives us new birth. There's a lot of verses here, and you can write the references down or just listen. This is our condition before new birth that speaks to our inability to see the kingdom of God and to enter the kingdom of God. First Corinthians two fourteen. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Second Corinthians four four The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Ephesians 4:18 They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Romans 6:20 We are slaves to sin. Ephesians 2:3 says that we are by nature children of wrath. It's not just that our, our actions make us children of wrath, our nature, who we are. Romans 8 7 and 8, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. John three nineteen. we already read it, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Jeremiah seventeen nine. the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Matthew 7:18. A diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. It really shows you our condition before being born again and why we are so unable to enter the kingdom of God. Anyone not born again, not having new spiritual life born by the Spirit, this is their condition. Everyone, all of us, no exceptions. Without the Holy Spirit bringing new life to us, we are by nature children of God's wrath, alienated from God's life with deceitful hard hearts, with minds blinded by Satan. Our understanding is darkened. Everything about the Spirit of God is foolish to us. Given the choice between darkness and light, we choose darkness because not only are we slaves to sin, we love our sin. We cannot produce anything good. We are incapable of pleasing God, that is our state before coming to Christ and being raised to life by the Holy Spirit. And can we just say, you don't reform that. You don't take that and give it a makeover and try to make it better. You need a new life. You don't just take that state and turn over a new leaf. You need a new life. And everyone in this room is either in that condition now or by God's grace through the work of the Holy Spirit, is not. And that's the reality of it. And this is why Jesus says to Nicodemus and to us this morning, you must be born again. We're not only prohibited, we are incapable. We're incapable of seeing it. We're incapable of entering it. It's like, It's like telling a little earthworm to enjoy the sunset, right? He's down in the dirt. He cares nothing about the sky. He's underground. He couldn't even behold it. It's too big. It's too wonderful for him. And he doesn't even have eyes. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe it's not a great analogy, but I think you know what I mean. I think you get the point. And if God were to somehow let us in, if he were to somehow bring us in without new birth, you wouldn't even enjoy it because you're not made for it. It's a kingdom not made for you. So when Jesus says you cannot enter the kingdom of God, born again is not uh, just a, a golden ticket permitting entry. It changes us and makes us able to. So our definition of being born again is a necessary work of the Holy Spirit giving us new spiritual life. It's necessary. Now, Nicodemus hears Jesus say this, and he takes it very literally, and his reply is, well, somewhat disturbing, and he talks about going back into the womb and being born again. Uh, But it's helpful for us because Jesus then explains more. So John or 3, 5, Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one, one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now by saying you must be born of water and spirit, Jesus isn't suddenly shifting to talking about baptism. He's still pushing Nicodemus on being born again. So why is he bringing in this idea now of, of water and spirit? And I remember reading that as a kid and just being very confused by it. And I thought he was saying that I, I was very mixed up with, because I knew that there was something about water breaking when you were born. And anyway, it was very, <laughs> it was very confusing. But this is what I think Jesus is doing. He knows Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He, knows, he knows, knows the Old Testament like the back of his hand. And so when Jesus brings in, you must be born of water and spirit, he's using phrases that would help Nicodemus look back in his world in the Old Testament. Right? So Jesus is stepping into Nicodemus' world. He's saying, you must be born of water and spirit. And he's pointing Nicodemus back to a phrase in the Old Testament that kind of spells this whole thing out. Uh, very clearly. And so if you want to flip back, Ezekiel 36, it's not on the screen. Ezekiel 36. I think Jesus is pointing Nicodemus back to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36 verse 24 says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. So, does that not sound familiar to what Jesus is talking about here? He says, I'm going to take you, I'm going to clean you of your sin. All the stains of your past life will be washed away. I'm going to take out your hard, unresponsive heart and give you a heart that feels my love, a heart that is able to love me. I'm going to put my spirit within me so that you can follow me, and then you will be my people and I will be your God. And all those verses we read about the condition in our sin before coming to Christ, does that not answer them? Does that not answer our state before? We had deceitful, hard, unresponsive hearts. He says, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. We were unable to please God. We loved our sin we couldn't follow him. He says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit so that you can walk in my ways. And we see the same thing when we read Titus 3. Those same uh, things are coming about. We're regenerated. We're washed. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, our old life with all its sin and all its dirt is washed away, and we are given new Life, And when we see the state of our old sinful life with its blindness, with its deadness, our ignorance, our slavery, our inability to please God, our love for darkness, we start to see the amazing work of the Holy Spirit in giving us new life and providing an answer to all those things. In our state, as, as, as the only word I can think of is, wretched as wretched as it was the holy spirit washes us and when he washes us in that state there's a ring around the tub (laughs) right sometimes i bathe four kids there's a mighty ring around the tub right in that state the the holy spirit's bringing us to new life is so effective we come out so clean there's a ring around the tub and so it's not just necessary it's effective. Regeneration is, nece- is the necessary, effective work of the Holy Spirit giving us new spiritual life. So let's go back to John 3. My shoe's untied and I keep tripping. So just one second. Stay focused here. Stay focused. John 3, verse 5. Uh, no, verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Does that not sound like something we've already heard here this morning? You can't control me, but you can trust me. The Spirit blows where it wishes. Okay. If you don't believe in prophetic words for today or You know, maybe you kind of just thought, oh, people are just kind of making it up. Hazel and I didn't get together and have a huddle before uh, this morning, right? The Spirit spoke, I come with my wind. The Spirit brings life, not destruction. You can't control me, but you can trust me. We're going to see that here in John 3. You can't control me, but you can trust me. The Spirit blows where it wishes. So the very first thing we see as Jesus said, just like the wind that blows wherever it wishes, so it is with the Spirit in giving new life. New birth is a sovereign work of God. New birth is like the wind. You can't control it. You can't muster it up. You can't conjure it up. It's like the wind, part of God's sovereign work. It is his work by his will. First, or John 1 says that they were born not by the will of man, but by the will of Of God, John 1 12 and 13. And we saw in Ezekiel, he says, You know, even though you've profaned my name, I'm going to gather you, I'm going to wash you, I'm going to give you a new heart, I'm going to cause you to walk in my ways. But really, if Jesus didn't say anything else and we had no other verses, the whole picture of being born shows that it's God's will and not ours, right? You didn't will yourself to be born spiritually any more than you willed yourself to be born physically. I've been in the room four times with the birth. There was not a lot of will on behalf of the baby to be born, and there was a whole lot of will by Mama. Okay? And Dad's will was to stand up and not pass out, which in the first time almost... Anyway. Now, now, God's sovereign work, the wind blows where it wishes. And for those of you who might have your Calvinist radar going off, that's okay. Stay with me, and we'll come back, okay? So the sovereign work of God. Second, he says that the wind, like the wind, there's a mystery to it. We don't know where it comes from or where it goes, and so we have to confess with a certain amount of what we're talking about with regeneration We don't really know. We don't really know what happens inside us. We know that God gives us new spiritual life, right? Somehow we were spiritually dead and now we are spiritually alive. But what exactly happens or what exactly God does to give us new life is a bit of a mystery. In the same way, you know, sometimes we don't exactly know when it happened, You know, sometimes being born again, receiving new life can be powerful and dramatic, and I'm sure we we know of examples where that's the case. Other times, it's much more subtle. C.S. Lewis talks about getting in the sidecar of a motorcycle to go to the zoo, and all he knows is that when he left, he was not a Christian. When he got there, he was. Somewhere on that trip, he was born anew, okay? And sometimes it's that. Subtle, especially for those of us who might have grown up in a Christian home, you can't really name the time and the date of when it happened. And you hear stories of people, you know, like Gary, that was dramatic and, you know, transformed from a, a life that was visibly apart from God and brought in new spiritual life. You know, for me, I can't really name the, the date and the time and celebrate my spiritual birthday as such. That's Okay. Okay, so if you're here and that's the group that you're in, I just want to say that's okay. If you know that you're a Christian, you know, you know, you know, you've been born again by the Spirit of God, don't let the fact that you can't mark on the calendar when that happened discourage you from when, as if it didn't happen. Okay, sometimes it's a bit of a mystery. Don't doubt it, because you can't write down the date and the time. Like the wind, it's mysterious. We can't explain it. Sometimes we can't even nail down the time. But the other thing Jesus brings up in his picture is quite important. Yeah, it's a mystery, but it has effects. He says that the wind blows. We might not know where it came from or where it went, but we can hear the sound. The spiritual life given by the Holy Spirit might be a mystery. It might be an internal work, but there are external evidences that we've been born again. When we are born again, we change. We see sin differently now. It's not that we're perfect, uh, but and we and we still sin. But instead of running to our sin and loving our sin, we confess it to our Father. We repent of it. We run from it. Instead of seeing the cross as being foolishness to us and Satan blinding us to the light of the gospel of Jesus. We see, we understand that Jesus died for us and put our faith in him in his saving work. We know that God not only loves the world generally like we see in John 3.16, but we know that he loves us specifically. He died for me. He loves me. Our lives are changed and continue to change over time as the Holy Spirit continues to work in our lives. So regeneration is a necessary, effective, sovereign work of the Holy Spirit internally giving us new spiritual life that brings immediate and ongoing results. Now, our definition has become a little wordy, but that's okay. I just want to end by taking us out of John 3 and going to 1 Peter 1. And it's just a, an amazing verse when we understand the work of regeneration. 1 Peter chapter 1. We see how this happens. How the Spirit of God regenerates us into new spiritual life. 1 Peter 1, 23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Since you have been born again, not of perishable, but of imperishable, Okay, your new spiritual life doesn't have an expiry date of when it's going to run out you have new imperishable spiritual life and it comes through the living and abiding word of god and this word is the good news that was preached to you the good news of jesus what he did for us through his death and his resurrection the holy spirit gives us life all that we've talked about happens through the taking in of the gospel whether on a Sunday morning, like this morning, in a conversation with your friend, sitting in your parked car, reading your Bible, remembering a memory verse from 20 years ago, the gospel goes out and the Holy Spirit brings life. It's amazing. It's amazing. The gospel goes out, the good news of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit brings life. Now, flip back to John 3. And we'll close by looking at this. It's an important thing that Jesus does here. Because for the first part of the conversation, he shows Nicodemus that regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit inside dead, unresponsive people bringing them to life. Like the wind, he blows where he wishes. It's his sovereign work. Not by man's will, but by God's will it happens. You didn't will to be born physically, you don't will to be born spiritually. And Jesus lifts up the work of the Holy Spirit as his work and his work alone. And when he does that, just when you start to think, well, I'll just go living my life then, and if the Spirit blows where it wishes, maybe someday it'll blow on me and I'll be changed, right? Just when you start to feel yourself kind of slipping out from under that responsibility, Jesus spends the next 11 verses reminding you of your need to believe. He spends the next 11 verses reminding Nicodemus that he needs to put his belief, put his trust, put his faith in Jesus. Just like Hazel's word, you can't control me, but you can trust me. He exalts the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit without diminishing the responsibility of Nicodemus to believe and put his faith in Jesus. Believe and you will have eternal life. Believe and you will not perish. Believe and you will not be condemned. That's the message that Jesus brings to Nicodemus. The work of the Holy Spirit is like the wind and it blows where it wishes. It's by God's will. You cannot control it Put your belief in Jesus Christ. Put your belief in me. When the Son of Man is lifted up, that he's speaking of what he's going to do in just a matter of time, he's going to go to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you're not a Christian this morning, you need to hear Jesus' words loud and clear. Believe in me. Put your faith in me and you will have eternal life. Maybe like Nicodemus, you've been trusting in your morality. You've been trusting in your religion. You've been trusting in your education. You need to hear Jesus' words that say, unless one is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. And John 3 ends rather abruptly, and we don't really know what happened to Nicodemus that night. We don't really know uh, where he landed, but don't let that be you this morning. You need to hear the call of God this morning through the good news of Jesus Christ and put your faith in Jesus, repent of your sin, turn to him, and you will be saved. And we can rejoice this morning that you've been born Again, that you're a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. We can rejoice with you and you can rejoice that you are born again. That that condition that we listed is done. And you've been washed and you've been renewed and you've been brought to life out of the deadness of your sin. So maybe you've been in the church for a long time. That's okay. Maybe you're worried about what people might think. That's okay. Push that to the side. Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Let today be that day. If you are a Christian, I just want to end with this. You know, sometimes we just think of our salvation in terms of... uh, having our sins forgiven, being justified before God, which is true and wonderful, but don't lose sight of this. You've been born again by the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation. You've been born again by the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation. And I pray that seeing that enables you to walk in great assurance because you've been born by the Spirit imperishable. It's not withering and fading Like grass, it's remaining forever. That you would walk in the great assurance that you've been born by the Spirit. I pray that you would walk in freedom, that seeing this enables you to walk in great freedom, throwing off the chains of your past and walking in the newness of life, knowing that you've been washed of your old life and you're a new creation before God. I pray that, as Ben said, it would give you great hope Because if God can raise you out of that condition you are in, what is impossible for Him? Whatever you're going through, like Ben said, He raised you from death. You were blinded by Satan. He caused you to see. You were dead in your sin. He gave you life. If He can do that, that's why I said the work of the Holy Spirit is the greatest work that He does. If He can do that, all things are possible for Him walk in assurance, walk in freedom, walk in hope. And lastly, I pray that seeing this would enable you to walk confidently, sharing what Jesus has done in you, knowing that just by sharing the good news of Jesus, the Holy Spirit can take the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God can take the Word of God and make a child of God. Share your faith confidently, knowing that the Holy Spirit can take the word of God and make a child of God. You don't have to worry about your elegant words. You don't have to worry about a powerful delivery. He says, through the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, he can bring to life. So understanding the Spirit's work in regeneration, understanding his sovereignty in regeneration, is not a wet blanket on our evangelism, it's a fire under our evangelism, that I don't have to know everything perfectly, I don't have to have an eloquent testimony, my responsibility is to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and God works and brings to life. So I pray that if you're a Christian this morning, I pray that God would cement that in you, that you would walk in that assurance, you would walk in that freedom, you would walk in that hope, you would walk in that confidence that I am a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come. I've been born again. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that your Spirit would make this alive, that it wouldn't just be words on a page or words for me, but your Spirit would be speaking. We pray that for those of us who are Christians, you would cement this truth in our heart, that we have been born again by the Spirit of God and I pray that if anyone is here in that condition apart from you in their sin we pray Father that your Holy Spirit would bring them to life through the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for them on the cross we pray Father that you would breathe life on them that they'd be born again here this morning we could rejoice with them we keep our eyes fixed on you we thank you for your great grace in Jesus name, Amen